So glad you could make it, 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 Hello and welcome, everyone. Hey, we're so excited. Our life art related podcast. Yeah, we're so excited. Are you out Yes. So, Daniela. Uh huh. Let's tell them where we're from. Okay. So, everyone, I am from the exotic state called Utah. I'm kind of right smack in the middle of the United States. Where are you from, Olga? I'm from Puerto Rico in the Caribbean side of North America. So, fun fact. You want to know a fun fact, Daniela? Yeah, yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me. We are 3,022 miles away from each other. Yeah, we live so My close. Home. That's so amazing. We about this. Like, if I would go to Utah, it will be 5.4 hours. So, how did we meet? Well, I think our stories are really kind of cool. It's kind of interesting how I met Olga. So before season one started, I saw the promo and I was really excited for this show. So when the show started playing, I started watching this show and I liked the storyline and everything. But I always found myself that I needed to work nights. I always work night shifts because I'm a student at school. So when I finally had to start working nights, I was kind of frustrated that I wouldn't be able to know what happened in the show until the next morning. So while I was in between of checking people in and out, I would go on to Twitter and I would click on the blind spot hashtag and I'd see the live stream of tweets and I'd read the tweets and figure out what was going on on the show. And I did this for several weeks until the season finale. And when the season finale played, I started reading tweets that Kurt had arrested Jane. I I didn't believe it. And when I finally realized that he had actually arrested Jane, I got so frustrated and I was like, I needed to tell people my frustrations. I needed to let people know how I felt. So I remembered that I had a Twitter account that I made when I was 16 years old. And so I figured out the password and I logged in and I was using my really old Twitter account to talk to people on Twitter and comment I started yeah. to friend people, and then one, one of the first people that I friended was Olga. And so we started talking, and we started to becoming friends, and we just kind of um, started there. That is true. Although I am a late bloomer to the show, mm-hmm. because I, um, I started watching it um, when it aired here in Puerto Rico. Um, which my grandfather was the one who said, hey, you like action shows and action movies. I think you would like this show. And when I started watching it, at first I was like, oh, it's kind of cool, but I wouldn't like pay too much of attention to it until episode 18 of season one. I was like, ooh, this is awesome. And, and I think that's when Rich.com was there. From there, I started watching it until episode 23. I was like super excited for that, for that episode. I remember when my little brother came from school, he had to study for his test. I was like, we're going to study really early because I have to watch Blind Spot. And then when I got a call from my aunt, because 
they had gone to a hospital because my grandmother was feeling um, spasm pains. And my aunt had went with them, sorry, with her. And then my aunt said, hey, I have to get home because my husband has to go to work tomorrow. And we have to get up really early. Can you come and stay with her until they, you know, they give her up from the hospital? Like, sure. So I didn't watch it. Then when I got home, like around five in the morning that they gave her up, I was like, why didn't I record it? I have a DVR. <laughs> <laughs> so I got super mad at myself for not doing that. And then I started researching where I could, where I could watch it. I, I would ask on Twitter, oh, hey, can I watch? Um, where can I watch? Um, where can I watch the blind spot? Is it on Netflix or somewhere? And they were like, No, not Netflix. And I was like, Okay, so no one's telling me where exactly I can watch it. So I started, I started looking, and I found out that it was on Hulu. So then I took the whole seven day trial and watched blind spot from the beginning in three days, twenty three episodes in three nights, literally. <laughs> the other the other four I rewatched them because, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. And I I literally uh became obsessed with the show two weeks prior to season two. And I do remember when Daniela and I befriended on Twitter talking about the podcast. Mm-hmm. We named it, or she named it, yeah. Bless This Mess. Yeah. Why Bless This Mess? Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite quotes from Blind Spot that Rich says. It's that one episode where he's dressed in like 19 different religions, and then he's praying in the interrogation room, and he finishes the prayer that he's mumbling, and then he just says, Bless This Mess, and I just... Loved it so much. I remember you sending me a photo of like the logo that we're gonna use. Uh huh. And I read that, and I think I told you yesterday. I literally, I was at Walmart yesterday. I had to literally cover my mouth to laugh. Why? Because I was gonna crack up so loud. Just because I read that, I read that and I immediately had a flashback of the whole scene. Oh man. And it was so funny. That's the best, um, theme you could ever yeah. pick up towards or, or choose <laughs> for this. going to be talking about the episode that just barely aired which was season three episode 13 this episode was called warning shot and it was written by matt young directed by Kristen windle and the writing producer was Kristen layden so the episode fades in to the NSA offices and we open with a scene with Betty in her NSA office while an office party is going on outside. One of her co-workers comes in and they're kind of like, oh, come on, come to the party. And Betty, Betty, Betty sh- says, no, because I, it has life. She yeah. doesn't say it like that, but it's like, she could have said it that way. It would have been much more fun. Sorry, no. Okay, go yeah. on. Continue. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> 
She's allergic to nuts, so she can't participate. So the guy just goes away. And we then see Betty dismantling the bobbleheads. Yeah, yeah, she's dismantling the bobbleheads in front of her, and she grabs a piece of like a metallic key, and she puts the metallic key together, opens the door of the NSA offices. Um, it something. And then she closes the offices. She puts the key in her boot. She chews on a red pill. She has a seizure, and she's taken out of the offices. So then we're off to Reed's apartment. So in Reed's apartment, it's Reed, Megan, and Sapata talking. That's when Megan says that that she can't go to uh, Tuscany because of because of her papers. That is where we discover that her uncle had falsified documents, and she did not know until she grew up. Yeah. So and Megan ends up just letting Zapata know and Reed kind of is frustrated that it's finally out in the open. Reed was like, you know what, Megan, shut up. Open your mouth. But Zapata always gets what she wants. She always does. Yeah. Kind of really liking the Megan and Reed relationship. I know that Zapata and Reed relationship has been really enforced the last two seasons, but I have really enjoyed them just being friends. And I don't know if I want their relationship to blossom into something more. And I've kind of always liked them being best friends. I really enjoyed the series when it started. Rina and Zapata were just good platonic friends that worked together and it was something mm-hmm. cool to see in TV shows because you don't really see that that often. And I was yeah. really excited yeah. about it. And then in season two we figured out Zapata actually liked Reed and Reed ends up kissing Zapata. I just have been sitting on the fence three seasons, and I don't know if I like them or not together. I understand that they like each other, but I just don't know if I feel it yet. I don't know about you, but I, I just don't feel it yet. I think Reed and Zapata should just stay the way they are. Although, just for the heck of it, you know, to give the fans what they want, like, like an alternative episode, what could happen? Yeah, and see that is wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of want to see how it would play out if they ended up getting together. But at the same time, like I'm still on the fence. The thing is. I like Megan. I really like the character. I really like how she's with Reed. I really enjoy it. I've just enjoyed like their dynamic and everything. Like Zapata said before, you know, if you don't snatch her, I will. And I see it the same way, you know, like uh, Megan. I remember, I remember if you don't put a ring on it, I will. So yeah. I that. <laughs> yeah. And so I, so I really, I really feel that, you know, because they've made an amazing character and then you're supposed to like want Reed and Zapata to get together. But, you know, I, I just but don't feel the it. Thing is, the thing is, I like her, but do we trust her? Yeah, and I kind of, like, that's a whole dynamic, too, is, you know, the people that you like the most. Like, I loved Borden to death last season and season yeah. one. He was my favorite character, and it just hurt me when I figured out that he was a mole. I remember when someone had asked me what was my take on who was the mole. Uh-huh. And I was like, I know that it's Borden, but I don't want it to be Borden. Yeah. And they were like, how do you know? I was like, just, you have to watch and rewatch and rewatch every episode. 
I remember tweeting and tagging Martin Giro, and I said, I knew it was him. I didn't want it to be, but I knew it. Like, once we knew he was the mall, I was like, I knew it. I knew it. But I didn't want it to be him. And I remember he replied, but I just don't remember what he replied. <laughs> Sorry about that one, but I know he replied about something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. But anyway, as we continue to progress in the episode, we end up in Jane and Kurt's apartment. And Jane is doodling in her notebook. She's drawing a picture of Avery when Kurt approaches her. She tells Kurt that she's frustrated that she doesn't know her daughter and she wants to know her. And she understands that Avery doesn't owe anything to her, but she just wants to figure out who she is. Yeah. So they kind of have a moment which was really finally a good moment. Been really frustrated. Yeah. I've been really frustrated this season with like all of what's happened. Kurt lying to Jane about him thinking that he killed her daughter, and then finally it comes to terms that Kurt didn't kill her daughter, and then Jane's been Thank all God. really. Yeah, I thought it was something worse though. I literally thought it was something worse than him killing her. I thought that you know since Kurt had slings with almost every woman he encountered. I thought he had slept with, with Avery. No, that and would so have been like of... a really bad soap opera thing. Oh, by the way, I slept with your daughter. No, 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 no. Like, I'm so glad that that she he thought he died because that would have been much worse. I had when I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, my God. oh my God, is that what I thought? Okay, good. I'm, I'm happy. Oh, I was man. happy that it wasn't that, but I was shook. I was like, no, it can't be. When I saw that episode, everyone was like, girl, what the hell happened to you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Didn't you just see that Kurt killed Jane's daughter? How am I not going to freeze up? <laughs> that whole thing happens. And so I understood for a little bit why Jane would be mad. Because I would be mad if somebody thought that they killed my daughter and then they didn't, especially if he was my husband. But then yep. Jane's like, no big deal, but I kind of slept with somebody while I ran away for those two years, kind of committed adultery, but no big deal, you know, no big deal. Yeah. And I'm just like, I was so frustrated. And she's still so frustrated at Kurt. And I'm just like, I got so mad. Oh my I'm God. just I'm, like, yeah, I got so it. Mad. Like, Girl. Like, take it down a few notches. He killed your daughter, but you slept with someone way before he killed your daughter. I don't know if it's just me, but I kind of feel like Jane's character is out of it this season. I think it's mainly she was alone for two years. Her being out of it, like what she told Kurt, first episode of the season, where she said, I'm used to working alone. Like, I'm not used to working with a team anymore. I think she thinks that if she works alone, it'll be faster. Although she loves her team to bits and pieces. And that is mainly the reason why she returned. Because when her best friends were missing, she said, no. Like, we got to do this. We got to get them. But, you know, I think it's mainly because of that. I just kind of feel like the Jane in season two and season one, she did lie a lot. She did keep a lot of secrets. But, you know, she was really loyal. And, like, the worst thing of breaking that loyalty or breaking that trust is, you know, like, cheating on somebody. And she did the worst thing possible. It's frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. 
Yeah. Was that necessary to put that part in? I don't think so. No, I, I don't. I, don't know. I, think I, I didn't see anything like that with the Clem storyline. felt like it was just there for like some drama. And I just, I didn't see any like something that it added to the story. It didn't help Kurt and Jane get back together. It didn't help them grow as characters. Well, I think, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but I think Clem helped find Avery. Like the whole entire storyline... Like, again, I don't, I don't know why it was necessary to put Clem in it, or why she had a chainsaw, but that's, you know, when that is done. So, um, I don't know yet about Avery. I don't know if I trust her at all. It feels really weird that she just kind of appear out of nowhere and kind of connected to Crawford and what Roman's working on. I just don't feel that I can trust Avery. I know that Jane wants to trust her and everything. I I just don't. Well, it it is Jane's daughter. And, you know, if parents try to trust their, their children... Although I do get your point because I wouldn't trust Avery either. It's like I, I think there's more to it. And again, it's blind spot and in blind spot anything can happen. But I don't trust her. With everything going on, I don't I don't trust her. So after Jane and Kurt talk about their feelings, finally they talk about their feelings a little bit. Jane's finally <laughs> able to open up to Kurt and they finally have a moment. They kind of hold hands. And then you finally are like, yes, we finally can get a moment with these two. And then Nas knocks on the door. Her timing is horrible. Her timing, Her timing is horrible. Is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so she ends up knocking on the door and she says that she needs their help with one of Jane's tattoos. How did she get those tattoos though? I don't know. She has her ways. Yeah, uh-huh. We love Nas, huh. but she's like... She's, <laughs> probably. I don't know. She Nas knows everything. I don't know. But I was just thinking the other day how many organizations actually have seen Jane's tattoos. Because the CIA knows it. The NSA knows it. The FBI. I just kind of feel bad for Jane. Because you know how many people have seen like her naked body? On episode nine of this season, when they had to uh, rescan her her tattoos, she was like, uh. "Well, I do love getting naked, uh. but how are we gonna get the battery out?" <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, she doesn't mind people seeing her naked. So now, now it's even worse. Not only just regular, you know, like Naked Jane, but now there's light up Naked Jane pictures that everybody's seen. It's like, it's just like, I felt about in a dark party, like in a, like in a, oh, that like would be so cool. Party like, with, like, pretty cool just to have her go. Yeah. She'll be the only light there. <laughs> <laughs> So we finally get to the New York offices. We open with a scene with Rich handing a newspaper and chamomile tea to read. And he's just (laughs) bribing him him to get to this dark web party. And Reed's like, Hell no. Not about the Senator covering cyber film in the dark web Mardi Gras. So Rich is told no. And he looks like a sad puppy. And it just just makes me sad. And you know know, like when you, you see someone sad and you just want to hug them? Yeah. So that's how I felt. 
Can we just say, though, how many memorable Rich.com quotes there were this, this episode? Like, I, could not, yes. I could not count them. Like, I tried writing them all down. For the people that cannot see, I have, like, seven pages of notes here. And, like, there's, there's just, like, too much to even put. There were so many good moments, and I just wanted to say that. So, so kudos to the writing team on that. That was super great. I, I know that Jamie has said in the Facebook Live, whenever he improvises, sometimes he gets away with it because, well, you know, it's rich.com. And yeah. that's how he's, he's very, he's very sassy. That's, what, that's one of the things that I love about him. He's very sassy. He's the life of the party. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So I think that's why he gets away with it. <laughs> yeah, he does. But it's so great. So so anyway, the next scene, the team kind of gets together. Rich is really funny. I really like his little conversation <laughs> with Nas. But he's yeah. cute. Yeah, it was really cute. And he's just like, oh, oh look who's back, back from a Brexit. Pleasure to see you again, again, Mom. Yeah, I laughed out loud. <laughs> that that, was, that so was very funny. I really liked it. And so the story kind of continues. Now states that Sandstorm was initially funded by Hank Crawford. She figured that out because she had been freelancing with Keaton and the CIA getting information from Shepard. Naz learned that through back channels that someone cough, <coughs> Betty cough. She's stolen the NSA Nergal computer virus, which is supposedly like the Ebola of all computer viruses. Well, that's bad. How bad? Well, well, on a scale of one to terrible, terrible this is full-on terrible. Nas found the key-coded elements of the virus tattooed on Jane's body underneath the stomach of, like, this weird winged centaur, which leads them to this case. And so Nas says that this time the computer virus works remotely, so anything with a mechanized system can be blown with the click of a button, which it does. Um, before the opening credits, the team sees a ship blow up on their computer monitors and they're all in shock. And it usually goes like that in Blindspot because in Blindspot has an intimate relationship with Murphy's Law. Let's just put it out there. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And so, yes. Yeah. But anyway. I mean, isn't that like what we love of the show? (laughs) because <laughs> yeah. if not we probably be, we wouldn't be watching the show yeah, yeah. we have to see like at least like 300 things go wrong before the opening credits or else it's not an episode yeah. Yeah. So, the person who blew up the ship killed 4 people and wounded 11 people just in order to show the proof of concept what the device can do and so they figure out that the person that blew up the ship was named Pop-Up Kid. And this person got their name Pop-Up Kid because they pop up with the virus every few years and sells it to a highest bidder. Patterson does a few clicks with the computer and she figures out that Pop-Up Kid is actually Betty. And then Betty is actually named Delilah Dundee. And they figure out her name from there. Because Delilah is not as good as Patterson. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, Delilah's not as good as Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then we go into the hall of the New York City offices. 
Zapata catches up with Nas in the hall, and Zapata thanks Nas for not telling the team that she actually knew that they were working on the CIA together. And Nas says, of course, she understands why um, Zapata didn't want them to know that she worked with them and that she knew, and she says that she understands But then she also ends up saying, hey, have you told Patterson about Project Dragonfly? And Zapata tells her no. And Nas is just like, you probably need to tell her. And she says, once once they figure it out, which they always will then she's not going to be she's not going to be popular with her friends exactly just, just with the people listening we will go over dragonfly i'm pretty sure i know what project dragonfly is but we're going to go through it at the very last for those people that don't want to know spoilers we'll make sure that you're cut out of these spoilers so you don't have to worry about being spoiled before the episodes we're going to be talking about that later so just stay tuned but i just wanted to say first of all there are just so many secrets this season i'm having a hard time like keeping them all straight you know everybody at the beginning of the season had a secret and we're finally figuring them all out but i just feel like there's just like so many secrets and you'd hope that after like what four or five years that these people are have been working with each other they'd finally tell each other the truth they remember that uh, um they were apart for two years yeah, like the same two years that Jane was was freelancing and as K and R and whatever else she was doing, they were all apart because Sabata she was in in she had moved to the to the CIA. Patterson had went and built her own game. Reed became assistant director of the FBI. You know, so it's like in that lap that they were apart, everything could happen. Like. Hell, in a blink of an eye, anything could happen. So imagine two years. That's true. But still, I'm just like, I wanted these people to be honest with each other. Finally, just yeah, be honest. I know. <laughs> One of the values that, that friendship has to have is honesty. Mm-hmm. And right now, they are all failing at it. All yeah. of them. Yeah. It's not good. So that's moving it. right along. Yeah, moving right <laughs> along. We get into Blake's apartment. I first of all, I'm having a hard time figuring out how to address Roman because now he's Tom, and before he was Ian. It's like I'm trying to figure out how we will address him. So I'm just gonna be probably saying Roman or Tom or Roman Tom or whatever. Tom Tom Roman. Roman. Yeah. Oh. Hey, how about Blake's boyfriend? Uh, (laughs) He knows it and he likes it. No, 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 no. He doesn't like it. He loves it. That's Puerto Rico. Did you hear the music in the house? Blake sees uh, Tom or Roman. Something like that. (laughs) Like frustrated and he tells Blake that he's just been having these headaches and the headaches are probably just because her father has asked him to kill his sister and his brother-in-law and then all beef patty and what's her name and the assistant director the whole team you know we were told to think that roman is like a psychopath and so he doesn't have feelings but him having a headache or him being frustrated with it or not knowing what to do actually shows that he does have feelings so i'm still like i'm not on 
he had the opportunity to kill his sister. And what he decided was to tattoo her. Yeah. I mean, of course he has feelings for her. Yeah. Because if not, if not, even though he was pissed at her that same day that that Jamie let him go in season two and the season two finale, he could have killed her. Yeah. But he decided to walk away. Because he loves his sister. You know, I really do think that Roman does have feelings. And I also really think that he has feelings for Blake, which we see in this episode more later on. But I really kind of feel a chemistry towards them. And I know that we're supposed to, like, really think that Roman's just has his end game and that he doesn't have any feelings towards anybody. But I really feel him getting this connection with Blake, and I really feel like he doesn't know what to do with it. Because last season, they kind of went over with having one that... One of the bikers. Yeah, with one of the bikers. I forgot her name. Forgive me, people. But, you know, he never had feelings towards that biker, you know? And I think he's finally having these feelings towards Blake, and uh, he just mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do with it. You know, he's, he never went through the whole having someone who cares about him, someone who wants to see him, someone who who um is always there with him. Although he does have his end game because we all know he has his end game. Hopefully his end game is not to kill Blake, please and thank you. Yeah, I hope so too that he doesn't end up killing Blake and I also hope that he doesn't end up dying at the end of the season cuz I'll be really no. sad. He is the best villain ever like normally when there's when i watch a show or a movie and there's a villain i end up hating the villain too but in this case i love the villain i don't know how to explain it but i love this villain (laughs) (laughs) anyway blake and tom end up talking a little bit more and tom or roman um, um, and she explains, yeah. Something that ends up with an end. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so Blake talking. Blake ends up talking to Tom, and she explains that after the land deal went through in the last episode that we watched, Blake is helping her dad with alternatives, and she said that a guy named Jean Paul Briere has exactly what they need and her and Tom need to go get it. The problem though with the Bruyers and the Crawfords is that they have like a Montague Capulet relationship where like both families hate each other. There's like some super bad blood there. And so Blake says that in order for this to kind of work, she needs to seduce John Paul's son, Christoph. And Christoph is having this fancy card game at this club. And she says that they're going to go there to the club to go play poker and she's going to try and seduce him. And so she tells Tom that he will have to pose as her bodyguard. So that's pretty much how it goes. And then we go to the next scene, which is Reed and Zapata in the hallway. I mean, these guys in hallways, seriously, they're always talking in the hallways. They're always in the hallways. Sorry, continue. It's like, it's just the hallways. That's the whole set. That's all, like, the scenes are always in the hallway. (laughs) Like nowhere else. I mean, don't they have work to do that they're always in the hallway talking? Yeah, the only time that they have to talk is in the hallway and nothing else. Like, right? just the hallways or in the car. And, so, you know, like, if you take out all the car scenes and all the hallway scenes at a blind spot, you literally have, like, two minutes of the show. Like, 
There's only two minutes left. Right. You know, you know how much of the story. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, for the people out there, you know, we need to start counting hallway scenes. Anyway, so Zapata says that she figured out that Reed has been working with Jonathan West, who Zapata saw in uh, sneaking around, like in the beginning of this season. And she says that she understands now why he's been working with him is to forge documents for Megan. And she says that she understands that he's been using his position as the FBI director to secure Meg's legal status. And she says that he ha- she needs to be really careful because he's not only putting his career in jeopardy, but he's also putting Meg's entire life in and her career at risk. Which is completely true. Yeah, and by the Mm -hmm. way, I see this whole mess blowing up. I really do see, like, this whole thing blowing up, and I see at the end of the season, I feel really bad saying it, but I see at the end of the season Meg being, you know, deported by her country. Yeah, I really don't want to see it, you know, but I I see, like, this whole mess blowing up. because, Because, you know, although I don't trust her as much as you know as, as I said at, at the beginning I don't trust her as much yet because I don't know like the background of her or of their relationship but I don't want to see her deported because of Reed yeah because that's what he's basically doing he's, he's basically pushing her to get deported he might not see it that way but sadly there are people yep. that don't like them and you know and just just to do something wrong. Hey, Roman could even get that that money and all. <laughs> yeah, and I think that Zapata does understand that there's so many eyes looking at him. And, you know, one wrong step can completely wipe out Megan's life. Yeah, that that's definitely going to um, blow up in his face. It's definitely going to blow up. So anyway, we figure out in Patterson's lab that Delilah stole the Nergal device and she put it online on an auction, and somebody bought it for $52 million. And they had already put down the down payment of half that money towards the device. And then Rich finds the buyer of the device. And with further investigation, they figure out that some high school hacker kid named Cameron Miller, who, oh my gosh, it was like the... Where's douchebag of all douchebags I've seen in, like, television? Oh, my God, This yes. kid was, like, so they, bad. Uh, yeah, I, just, he, I, just I thought, really wanted to punch him in the face. Yeah, that's his life, I, same feeling. He was, like, super bad, and I was so frustrated with this kid. But anyway, this Cameron guy was deceived from some Iranian guys to steal some money from a company that they created to buy this Nergal device. And the kid was supposed to, after he bought the Nergal device for them, he was supposed to be given like a million dollars. But in order for the whole thing to go through, the Iranians gave him a burner phone, which this high school kid, I don't understand why he put this burner phone in his locker at school. Yeah, well, he's a high school student, you know? They're going to end up doing stupid things. That was really dumb. Yeah. I just, I just didn't understand it. And then during this whole spiel, 
Avery messages Kurt and she says that she remembered something about something. And she <laughs> remembered something about something. Yeah, she something about Epic. something. Yeah, something about something. I looked at the text message and it just says, I remembered something. So it's just like a really, really vague text. She sends Kurt a really vague text. And it turns out later in a future scene, after Kurt goes to talk with Avery, he ends up telling Jane that uh, Avery didn't really have anything. He just thinks that she's lonely and she just needs to talk. And Jane feels really bad about that because she wants to be the one there for Avery. And Kurt says, you know, you're in the same boat. You know, you're in the same boat. You both want a relationship, but they don't know how to communicate for it. But and- I have to say, I have to admit, I love the way he called her out on that. Yeah. Because they are the same. I mean, they are the same. (laughs) (laughs) So we enter into this fancy club now. Blake and Tom end up talking with Kristoff. Kristoff tells Blake that she can't be there because it's a gentleman's club. Blake ends up pulling out the 600. Hundred thousand bottle of scotch, and she says, "Well, um, I'll just drink this by myself." Kristoff's just what like, am I to do with it? Yeah. "Come here, I'll drink it with you." Yeah, I'll drink it with you. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to ask, who makes a six hundred thousand bottle of scotch? I rather like, you know, that's like as much as like a. A house, <laughs> like a really good house. I mean, I don't I imagine she like, did. She did want to flirt with him. She did want to embedded. You know, if it was a business, it was a business thing. So, you know, only only crazy people like Blake would do that. Yeah, but oh my gosh, that's like a expensive, and I can't imagine what they need from this guy because you know, just drinking like a six hundred bottle, six hundred thousand dollar bottle of scotch you know like what do they need from this guy how expensive or how big is this thing that they need because they never really say it in the episode what they need from him but if that's like but if if they're sipping (laughs) on a six hundred thousand bottle of scotch you know that it has the some shiz is gonna go down (gasps) yeah something big is gonna go down i think it's something explosive too because, you know, everything explodes in by a spot. Yeah, of course. I've never, I think I've never seen a, like, quick parenthesis. I think I've never seen an episode where something doesn't blow up. No, no, you're right. And, like, do you know how many cars have blown, how, how many, no, do you know how many cars Kurt has gone through in, like, the last three seasons? Like, it's every other episode where a car blows up. I'm just like, this dude has to have some awesome car insurance, because he, can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. I mean, <sighs> no, I think Kurt has a death wish. Uh, literally has a death wish, because he, or, or, he he's suicidal, because, you know, Every time, he's going to get killed. And luckily, he has a wife who's always there with him and, and, and always has his back. Even yeah. though she could be pissed at him, but she always has his back for yeah. some odd reason. I don't know. It's like always <laughs> like, it's just like he's, he like is drawn towards like ticking time bombs. He's just, it's just like, <laughs> Kurt, he's just like, 
Kurt's drawn towards them. But anytime, <laughs> but anytime, like, there's people shooting them, he, like, have you ever seen, there's so many scenes of Kurt just walking through the line of fire and, like, nothing hits him. And then, like, he hits, like, two, like, shots, boom, boom, and then everybody goes down. I'm just like, how is that guy not dead? I mean, I mean um, you know, he, I don't know. Either those shooters are terrible pointers, have terrible, um, like, focal point, or, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I've, I've, never don't seen, know. I've never seen somebody that bad have a shot, though, before in my life. It's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no one hits, t- he never gets shot, which is at some point awesome, but, you know, at least show show a, a, a scene where he actually gets shot. You yeah. know, show him vulnerable. I want to see him vulnerable. Actually, we've seen him vulnerable when it comes to to Jane. I think Jane is his vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. Jane is who, who makes him who makes him vulnerable. Okay, so moving back to that, how much six hundred dollars? Yeah, six hundred thousand dollar bottle of of, of scotch. Yeah. <laughs> Which I would like to taste, though, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have the money. <laughs> but yeah. hey, Blake, would you like to give me, would you give me a glass? Yeah. At least with a thought of it, so I could taste it. <laughs> see how good it is. Yeah, oh my gosh. Something I can't, that expensive. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Oh my gosh. But anyway, so we go back to the New York offices now in the episode. And the team now has Cameron's burner phone, and Delilah has been calling um, the burner phone. And she finally, um, she calls it again when the team is there, and Rich answers the phone. And innuendos occur. Yeah. Quick parenthesis, right? Yeah. I love that face. Like, like the, the way she just Patterson just like oh my god like seriously <laughs> that was funny yeah the okay. faces the faces were amazing the faces were amazing but the yeah the, all the facial expressions were, were on point seriously yeah however the thing that I loved the most were how many innuendos Rich put in in like a 20 second conversation there was so many innuendos I couldn't even keep count. There was so many. <laughs> anyway, so Rich uses this opportunity to invite Delilah to the dark web party that Reed told him earlier in the episode that he was not allowed to go. But Rich found mm-hmm. a little loophole and he invites her to the I mean, party. It is Rich.com. Yeah, and so he invites her, her to the party so that they can exchange the rest of the half of the money in order to receive the Nergal device. And I just thought yes. that Rich was so sneaky and I really enjoyed that part. I was so that happy. Was epic. I that. was like, oh, he didn't do that. No. But it was, you know, it's rich. It was fun. It was that 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 part was fun. It was funny, and 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 I love the way, you know how how Reed puts this angry face, and he's like, uh huh, 
You seriously went there? <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. That was so good. That was so good. And so after that conversation ends, Reed is pissed. and But Nas just hurries and says, hey, it's a good idea. And Reed's like, fine, this can happen. But the team's going to have to, you know, like go with Rich. And so that is kind of how like the scene ends. And then um, yeah. we then see... Reed and Jonathan West in in Reed's office and John says that he can't help Reed getting Meg's papers forged. Reed's frustrated. Jonathan says I can't do anything about it. I don't want to like get in trouble and so that's kind of how it ends that scene. Anyway, we get back to Blake and Tom and Kristoff in the fancy club and Blake is winning poker and she defeats Kristoff in the poker game. Kristoff goes to the bar to get a drink where Tom is sitting. And Kristoff then asks how long Roman has been in love with Blake. There was that part where he was like, oh, it never goes well where the, where the servant um, ends up with the princess. Yeah, the servant and boy like, and the princess. I gave him that side eye. And said, ooh, boy, you clearly don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. You clearly don't know. And, the, and the, the next thing I thought was like, ooh, you lucky. You lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so now we finally enter into the dark web party. And it's so fun to just see Rich in this scene. He throws his scarf down the stairway. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, it's Good to be home. Feels good to be home. Rich is just so happy, and then Kurt kind of makes a stupid remark, and then he just turns to Kurt, and he's just like, "Paris has changed you. He used to love a good party." And starts continuing while they're ready to break up and talk to each other. And Rich is just like, these are my people. Don't embarrass me. And, and then James replies saying, you don't want us to embarrass you? <laughs> Ooh, I know that part. <laughs> yeah, that's and so the team finally ends up breaking to go search for Delilah to get the box while Patterson is trying to track her down because it turns out she still hasn't arrived to the party. Nas and Kurt finally end up talking um, in this party and Kurt says that he's surprised that Nas has been working with the CIA and then he also ends up thanking Nas for falling on her own sword last season to help the team. Kurt then asks Nas why she didn't help him when Jane went missing for two years. And Nas just says, hey, look, I was like in really bad shape with the NSA. I couldn't have helped you. And Kurt just then offers her a job. He's like, hey, I can get you in with the FBI. And she's like, no, 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 no. I want to work with the NSA. It, was it just me or was that entire conversation very flirtatious? I don't know if it's just kind of like Kurt's character or just kind of their relationship that they have. But it kind of seemed flirtatious. Because, Kurt, you're married now. Like, yeah. don't flirt with Nars. Yeah. Like, don't, don't follow James' footsteps. Be better than Jane in this case. The whole Nas and Kirk thing never mm -hmm. kind of worked with me because they were kind of forced together. That's, that's another thing that, I'm, that I asked myself. Was that necessary? 
No, it wasn't. Last season when they went to Bulgaria, they were in an undercover mission. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. They got the guy. They practically kidnapped the guy, then had a fling. I mean, why Why did not say at the beginning of season two, she really loved Mayfair and she really loved you? I mean, like, oh, I'm here for you. <laughs> yeah, the relationship of Naz and Kurt is the same relationship I feel between Clem and Jane. It really unnecessary. Yeah, they're both like it's so unnecessary. They're both good characters. The storyline could have been so much better if they just didn't have flings with each other. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of how it went. We end up now seeing Rich trying to fit in with his people. Jane pulls Rich aside and she figures out that he's been doing coke. (gasps) Rich tries to explain himself and this whole conversation goes down. I have to post this audio. It's super good. Okay, Okay, see see that? That that patented death there? That is your problem. You can get that finger out of my face anytime. You know, I don't want to get too personal, but I'm definitely going to. And I see this completely out of love. But you know how you are... Are you, Are you really surprised that Avery went to Weller and you? Who was talking about Avery? How do you even know about that? And I know that people think that your husband is supposed to be the big, strong, burly, tough guy, but you are way more intimidating. I'm not intimidating. Your daughter is not going to come to you. Okay, Avery is a child. You're the adult. you got to work her. You know, that's what children do. They, they're going to find someone they could actually talk to remember the whole scene between them in Berlin. They had this father-daughter conversation, the way he was trying to protect her. You know, she already kind of had established a slight relationship with Kurt Mm -hmm. and now with Jane. And seeing how Jane is so tense sometimes, yeah, I would definitely go to Kurt and not Jane. Yeah, and the thing is, I feel like Jane wasn't like that before. You know, in like the first season, when kids were introduced or teenagers were introduced, you know, she yeah, felt she was more. She was very she motherly. Was more, uh, she had more empathy. To be honest, I thought you know that whole Cameron scene, the high schooler of a couple of scenes ago. I thought she was gonna be the one to like talk to him and try to get the information out and whatever. But no, it, it took Nas and Patterson who has said, oh, they're not going to have your back. Normally it's Jane who who emphasizes and talks to the kids and, and they could be tough as heck, but she's, she always finds a way to, to get into their hearts and, and try to help them out by, you know, and also getting the information they need. But she's always the one, she was always the one who talked about those things. And I was really surprised that in this episode, she didn't. I really enjoy Rich telling her these words. You don't really see Rich getting that down to earth. And it was really cool. And he was really surprised of himself. Oh my God, did I make a cool dad or what? So Delilah finally enters the party. Rich and Naz go talk with her. Delilah is really not comfortable trying to sell the Nergal device. She gets really, really nervous. Yeah, she was like this kind of cute nervous. Yeah. No, I really liked that. But she played it well. Yeah, she was she was acute nervous. Um, Delilah then says, oh, I'm gonna feel sick. And Naz takes her to the bathroom. And then Shell Akhtar shows up. 
because he's there to steal the Nergal device as well. Because something going wrong at the beginning of the show is not enough. Yeah. Something wrong has to happen at the end. Does make for a good show, though. I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying because something can't go wrong at the beginning. You know, <laughs> they have to do it at the end too. Yeah, they got yeah. So it turns out that show. Akhtar, when he was extradited to Pakistan after the team arrested him, nothing really happened because the people in Pakistan love him because he's like a hometown legend. He also tells the team that he remembers that they are FBI. So then the team says, if you tell anybody here that we're FBI, then we'll tell the people that you double-crossed when you were extradited to Pakistan. So it's just a back and forth of... Gonna... Of them um, threatening each other. Something like that. <laughs> the team figures out that because Sho doesn't know who the pop-up kid looks like, that they can use that towards their advantage. Then we go back to the fancy, the fancy club again. I have no clue what it's really called, so I'm just going to call it the fancy club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it either, so... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's called, we're gonna call it a fancy club. And Blake is purposely letting Kristoff win at the poker game so she can get on his good side and win the quote-unquote bigger game that she tells Tom that they need to win. Because of Blake kind of like flirting with this Kristoff and trying to get on his good side. Kristoff then invites Blake to the after party and Kristoff teases Roman. You can just see like Roman just trying not to kill this guy. He's using all of all of like his power not to kill this guy. Roman was trying not to hope not to turn all hope on him. (laughs) I think this is the only one person that I want to see Roman snap his neck. Yeah. <laughs> is that being bad? Is, is that bad of me? Is that wrong? <laughs> I don't know, but that's so funny. Oh my gosh. Oh man. So then we go back to the dark web party. Showbacks Rich into a corner to get his revenge. And then when... The guard takes Rich to kind of hurt him. Rich headbutts the guard and knocks the guard out cold. And that was like my favorite scene of the whole episode. It was so cute. Oh, when he says, oh, I did that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did not do that right. That <laughs> was so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so good. And so, show ends up meeting with Nas, who he thinks that is the pop-up kid, because the team fooled him to think that Nas is the pop-up kid. And show is trying to buy the Nergal device from Nas. Meanwhile, Rich and the team is trying to ease Delilah into letting them finally pay for the Nergal device. Delilah agrees. They pay her. But right when Delilah's about ready to tell them who's hiding the Nergal device in the party so that they can go get it from him, Delilah passes out because there was nuts in the canapé that Rich offered her. And so Patterson then has to unlock Delilah's phone from 
her lap to figure out who is hiding the device. Show in the meantime figures out Nas is not pop-up kid because he had his people research who she was by face recognition. Show orders one of the guards to kill her and Nas takes him out. Nas being Nas. Yeah. <laughs> Nas being Nas because she's badass. <laughs> 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 he kicks it. Like, I was like... I mean, come on, a little more. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good. And so the team ends up unlocking Delilah's phone to call the person hiding the Nergal device. She sees them calling the guy. And so when the guy finally answers the phone, Sho's men shoots him. And, and then Sho intercepts the Nergal device from the guy. Jane chases after Sho to get the device. They have a big fight. Sho gets away on a four-wheeler. Kurt runs after Jane. Uh, after Sho gets away, he's super frustrated that Sho ended up with the device. And then Jane just turns to him with a smile. And she's just like, oh, Jane's face was just priceless when she was just like that no that that Jane face was another Jamie Alexander face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh my gosh. You've always been my favorite. Anyway, the show's coming to the end. They're back in the New York offices. The whole team's together. And Nas thanks everybody for their help and she's like, okay, I'm gonna go back to the NSA now. They're kind of all, like, depressed that she's leaving, and I was too. So Jane chases after Nas, and she talks to Nas and says, When you get a chance, can you talk to my mom? And ask her why she took Avery away and made me give her up. And Nas Mm -hmm. was just like, Nas was just like, you know, I'm not going to do that because I already know the answer. Your mom was a psychopath. She just pretty much tells her that. Like, I mean, get over it. It's like, why why, why send me to ask her something when you already know the answer to that? Yeah. And you think think that Jane would understand that her mom's crazy, but I think that anybody would feel the same thing as Jane. You know, when you have a mom or a mother figure, you love them and, you know, you kind of still don't understand, you know, why they're the way... The things that, that why yeah. they put you through those things. Yeah, and so, you know, it's really hard for Jane. You know, Nas says she took her away to keep Jane from loving anybody except for her, and she just wanted Which to... Con- which is one billion percent true. Yeah, and you know, like, you'd hope that Jane would understand that. But, you know, I think that it's hard for anybody to understand. And so that's kind of the relationship. I really, really, really hope that Michelle, the woman that plays Shepard, to come back for the yeah, end of the hard. season. I really want another, I want a good scene between them. I just but like... Hopefully, hopefully Shepard tied up. And you know, you know where Kurt and and Roman were talking that there was this glass um, wall. Yeah, I think that's where Shepard and and Jane should should talk because I know that Jane would want to kill her for everything she has done to her. Uh-huh. And I know that Shepard would want to kill Jane for everything that like for for betraying her. 
yes, the glass wall thing would be perfect. Like seriously perfect. Yeah, for something they, that I would see. They would they would literally they want to kill each other. I know they've not in time their mother and daughter, but they want to kill each other. Yeah. And I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> like, if it comes down to it, I'm on James' team. Yeah, me too. If it comes down team Jane. Team Jane. <laughs> yeah. Team Jane all the way. Yeah. <laughs> so after that scene with Jane and Nas, Rich and Patterson go to talk to Kurt because they figured out the Nargal device was fake. And Kurt said, Kurt kind of figures out in his brain, no, the Nergal device was real. Nas took the real Nergal device before she left so that she could get her position back in the NSA and she left them a fake. I really liked that, though, that Kurt wasn't even mad at Nas for it. He just kind of laughed yeah, at it. Is, is it. Yeah, because that, the thing is that she already had confessed it. Yeah. She already has said, um, I, my home is the NSA. Yeah. So, like, she kind of confessed it when, mm-hmm. when they were talking. So, you know, I think since he kind of already knew, he was okay with it. Yeah. And there was a whole theme going on in the, in the episode. They stated several times that even if you do something good, you, <laughs> don't have to end up with the reward and the mm-hmm. and it happened both ways where Nas fell on her sword in order to do something good for the team but she ended up not getting a reward and the same thing with the FBI team this episode is they were able to intercept the Nergal device and get it back but they didn't end up with the reward because Nas actually ended up taking it but they both kind of had exactly. a mutual understanding about it because they kind of like, yeah. yeah, they both had the mutual understanding. And I really thought that was kind of um, beautiful. I thought that was awesome. So Yeah, that was awesome. So we end up back in Reed's apartment and Reed finally confesses to Meg that he's been trying to falsify documents for her. And Meg kind of gets really frustrated. <laughs> and in the heat of this, Reed ends up proposing to Meg and I I don't know what I feel about this proposal I really feel like when finally a character ends up with something good it always ends up going to crap <laughs> it always yes. ends up and something so ends up happening I mean it's like you know how Patterson has bad luck in love yeah Freed's not any Reed. better <laughs> No, no, literally, no. I really hope that this proposal... Like, again, I think Roman is behind the whole Megan and and, and Reed thing. Yeah, I think that you're probably right, too. It's going to hurt, though, if he is. Because, you know, I see how happy Reed finally is. And, you know, we're still on the fence with Reed and Sabata thing. But I really feel like Reed is happy. And it's just going to hurt like crazy if Roman is behind it. As long as he doesn't do coke and crack and all those other drugs yeah. that he was doing. Oh, man, I hated that. Oh. <laughs> Last I hated yeah. That. As long as he doesn't go back to that, oh, we're fine. Yeah. I mean, and and, and Zapata, Zapata's going to be there. She's going to be his crying handkerchief. 
And then they're going to end up getting together. That's how it's probably going to work. Something's wrong yeah. going to happen to Meg. She's either going to betray him or something bad going to happen. She may die or something. And then Zapata's there to pick up this pieces. They end up talking or something and crying. And then they end up kissing and then they get together. That's how I see it. She hugs him like because she's always hugging him. She hugs him and then he sees her like right there in his face and he's like, oh, okay. And he automatically forgets about Megan and has Zapata. Hopefully, they will prove us wrong. Hopefully, they will not do that. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so now we end up going to the coffee shop. And Jane finally meets up with Avery. And they finally end up having a conversation. Haven't you noticed that every time Rich.com gives Jane advice, she actually takes his advice? Yeah, and she's been doing that for since season one. You may think that Jane doesn't like Rich or she really doesn't think much of him, but she actually really does. And it's kind of really cool. Yeah, true. So we end up now in Kurt's apartment Naz calls Kurt. Kurt says that he figured out that she stole the device. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. Another flirtatious moment. Yeah. I mean, seriously? Um, and then Naz says, you know, I have some important information about Avery's dad. He was involved with Hank Crawford's shader business practices. And Naz ends up sending the info to um kurt so we're back at the fancy club and blake gets ready to go to the after party with Kristoff. roman follows behind blake and he sees blake get kidnapped roman tries to fight off the bad guys to save her but he's too late he sees them take her away in a van so i really oh just oh my god his but it's just finally just like me mentioning again that this dude does have feelings he is capable of feelings and his fighting skills were so good oh my gosh that like that fight scene was so good just seeing roman fight for his girl is like breathtaking yeah that was good or am i wrong no, you're right. You're right. You're always right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Just don't yeah. say it too much because I might believe it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Um, thanks for listening to our recap and our overview. We're going to play a little bit of music uh, before we discuss some spoilers and next week's episode. So if you're fine with spoilers, please stay tuned and we will talk to you in just a second. So glad you could make it, 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 make is going to be called Everlasting. The episode summary is just when Patterson's investigation into a tattoo results in a horrible accident. She tries to figure out what went wrong, but quickly realizes it's not all that it seems. The promo just shows Patterson like getting blown up and then on an operating table. Hard- well, I thought 
Yeah, her heart stops on the operating table, and everybody's freaking out, and then they're just like, tune in to next week, and that's yeah. all that we oh got. My God. That's all that we got. But however, I did see a post on Twitter. When somebody uh, paused the promo, there's a little, like, millisecond of a clip that has David... Pellington and Stewart in an elevator. And so it's probably... Patterson. I think it was the Sayoc elevator, right? Yeah. Because so, it looked like the Sayoc elevator. Yeah, it looked like the Sayoc elevator. So it's probably just like a dream that Patterson's having, but it's really going to be a cool scene for us to kind of see those people again. For the people that are listening that may not know yet, every season, Blindspot kind of puts a little message in there episode titles and so every season there's a little message and this season when the episode titles were ciphered it says one of us will give our life and so everybody is kind of trying to figure out um who's the person that's going to give their life or who's the person that's going to die and so we're kind of trying to everybody's trying to figure out who's going to die a lot of people are telling us that is going to be Roman, but I don't, I hope it's not Roman. I really don't. And, no, um, I don't. So I'm I kind of going, him. yeah, so I'm kind of going with um, Olga on this one where I hope it's, we love Megan, but we want her to die, but we are not really sure that it's one of us. But I kind of think that once she's the fiance of Reed, it could also that, make her. Yeah, it could also make her one of us because she's the fiance. That's yeah. true. And then we also although it could although it doesn't have to be. Maybe we're taking this like extremely literal. Literal. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could be metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. like. Maybe someone is leaving the FBI or the NSA or the or the CIA, and no one actually dies. Hopefully, but again, it's blind spot. Yeah, we also are going to be having Bill Nye is coming on the show. Actually, it might be this coming episode because Rachel Love said that she was the one that wrote the Bill Nye episode, and the episode that she supposedly wrote was season three, episode 14. So we actually might see Bill Nye this coming episode, which is kind of exciting. And then, finally, um, we're going to talk a little bit about Dragonfly. There has been some photos that have been surfaced. I, now, that you, now that you mentioned it, I think I've, I've seen a couple of them, and I was like, what? Yeah, so the Photos show Jane and Kurt and Borden kind of having a tussle, having a fight. Both yeah. Jane and Kurt are trying to get Borden. So, and yeah. that... that trying to catch him or something. Yeah, trying to catch him. They're both trying to catch him. This episode he, that he's going to most likely appear is season three, episode 16. And Borden is probably Project Dragonfly, in my opinion, because he's been hidden for two to three years, probably taken by the CIA, captured by the CIA after he yeah. um, forged his and, faked and probably, his own death. Probably, I think. I think why he's running. I think. I think I agree with you. I think it's because he was captured by the CIA and he got away. I mean, he is Sandstorm, and if Jane Doe could go, could get away from. 
from the CIA, why can't Borden? Yeah. I mean, have you seen Borden fight Kurt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like, the, that was like one of the coolest moves I ever saw. He did like a one-handed handstand and kicked him in the face. That was pretty epic. <laughs> I think if Jane Doe could have escaped the CIA, why can't Borden? Yeah, that's true. They were trained the same way. Yeah, that's so true. But anyway, so that's all that we have for you guys. You finished already? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about like everything, but we'll be back. We'll be back to talk about more. We're happy that you could join us. Yes. See you next week. Adios. Bye bye. Bye bye. So glad you could make it. 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 Back. All right. Tuesday. Hey, what took you so long? Bless this mess.